but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In Acts chapter 1, Christ ascends into heaven, telling his disciples that he will one day return and that they are to wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that they can be his witnesses. In Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit pour out on the disciples, which is evidenced by their speaking in tongues so that everyone around hears the message of the gospel in their own language. 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus, repent, and get baptized. Those followers of Christ devote themselves to prayer, the apostles' teaching, breaking bread together, and generous giving. Their faith is so contagious that many believe in Christ through them. Bibles, if you turn to Acts chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 23 through 31. You'll also see it on the screen overhead. You can also find it on the YouVersion Bible app. From where the video summary ends to where we are starting today, an event has taken place. There's been a healing A lame man who's been lame for his whole life, he's 40 years old, is sitting outside the temple, right? Acts 4. And he's begging. He wants some money. Peter tells him, we don't have money. Look at me. We don't have any money. But what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus. And the man is healed. But this causes some controversy because there are folks who don't like this because they're proclaiming that Christ rose from the dead and there are a group of religious leaders who don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And they're upset at what is being taught. And so they're arrested and told, don't talk anymore about Jesus. And they say, we can't help but talk about Jesus. Right? And they're released. So that's the background. We pick it up now in verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So, so, so get the context. They've been told, don't speak anymore about this resurrected Jesus. Right? I want to think about this How do we respond when we come against those who would say, you need to be quiet about Jesus? Right? And I'm not going to get into specific details. I'll let you do the research, but there's a lot of discussion about religious freedoms, right? And infringements and what happens when a professor says something about God in the class and what happens when, when people make uh, moral stands and other people don't like them. And, and how do we respond to that? Praise the Lord, we still have the ability to freely share this morning in this service. Amen? That's not, that's not the case a lot of places. But if a law was passed that says you can no longer preach the word of God, right? 
Or more likely, there's some pressure to not be allowed to speak certain sections of the Word of God that might offend somebody. How would we respond to that? Right? So, Acts was written a long time ago. It, it wasn't written about us in America now, but it has principles that apply to us. True? Anybody here been frustrated by some of the things that are happening in our country at times? Right? Things that just don't seem fair, right? Double standards? When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, what happens next? When they heard it, they all got furious and started ranting and raving everywhere. Bought some handguns and some... Uh, poster board. <laughs> Headed back out to... The, no, that's not what happens, is it? And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to who? To who? So let me ask you this. Is it accidental that, that the frustrations that we feel in our culture sometimes are, letting the people, are leading the people of God together for prayer? It's not accidental that we're saying, hey, you know what? We're not having adult Sunday school for the next three weeks. We're getting together and praying. There's a reason that churches can get busy. Pastors can get busy. There's a reason that nine pastors from the Edmonds area spent all day Thursday together in reflection and prayer. Cross denominational line. Because when the church of Christ is threatened, we don't panic, we pray. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. What's sovereign mean? Yell it out. Ruler, the one in control, sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage? Why do the nations rage? And the peoples plot in vain. The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So he's quoting from Psalm 2. Don't, don't they get it? We win. Right? We win. I was in a basketball game one time. We had the ball with five seconds to go. Right? We missed a shot, they got the ball. We were still ahead by one point. One of our players thought we were down by one point, went and fouled them. The reason I say that is because it's, it's important to not lose your head, right? 
When we look at our problems and not at our God, we panic. I love this book, don't you, the Bible? And you get home, read Psalm 2. It's a beautiful passage. A portion of it written here. He's saying, why do the people rage? They should be still and know that God is God. Jesus said it this way, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. Right? Verse 27, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. You catch that? It looked like a terrible, evil act of evil men, and there was evil. Here's the thing. There are these truths in Scripture that our little peewee minds have a hard time getting a hold of. We have real choices and real responsibility. God never does evil or never tempts anyone to do evil, but God is in control of all things. And everything is predestined by him without being fatalistic. You get that figured out? Westminster Confession basically just says that we believe that God ordained all things, right? planned for all things, without removing human responsibility or secondary causes. Which, we could talk weeks about that. But you know, the sovereignty of God wasn't something to be debated over, it was something to, to rejoice in. It's something to fortify our souls. Amen? So he says, for truly in the city where they were gathered together against your holy servants Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. <laughs> Let me ask you, when, when you're watching whatever news station you like to watch, or when you're watching television, and all of a sudden you feel your blood pressure start to raise... It happened here? Right? Do you say to yourself, I need to turn off the television and spend a little time in prayer? And if you go to prayer, what do you pray for? Isn't there a temptation to prayer for just a lightning bolt to hit those we disagree with? Just hit them with a lightning bolt, Lord. But, but you notice what they pray for. Did you catch it? What was it? Boldness. Give us courage so the words of our mouth reflect the glory of your name. Do we pray like that? To continue to speak your word, to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You just keep doing miracles, God, and give us the opportunity to speak about you boldly. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen? I would love to sit around over a cup of coffee and hear how God's working in your lives. Amen? Just a few things that have happened in my life. I was really concerned about what was teaching, it was being taught in our colleges. And I prayed, and God gave me an opportunity in a former town to teach philosophy and ethics at the community college. Pretty amazing, right? In the back, there's little cards like this. It's just an invitation to worship service. Um, that you can grab in the back and invite a friend to church. But hear this clearly. I, I want everyone here to invite a friend to church. That's great. But before you invite them to church, pray for them and invite them to a conversation. Amen? I said, said, I don't know if I should, I wasn't planning to tell the story, but I'm going to tell it, okay? Some of you have heard it. But I, w I was driving back over to church here, and I was thinking to myself, I'm failing. Ever feel like that? Maybe not in every way, but I'm failing. Things aren't, you know, I, I, I came to Seattle because I wanted to see people come for Jesus. We, we put a number out of wanting to see 30 baptisms. It's just not happening. And, um, and it came on the radio, and, and the simple message on the radio was, don't try to be a success, try to be a blessing. And I thought to myself, I can do that, Lord. I can do that. And I went down to Edmonds, and there was an event down there, and I saw somebody making shirts, and the shirt said, Make kindness normal. And I said to myself, Make kindness normal? That should be the church's motto. So I bought a shirt and a bunch of pins, and I gave them away to everybody at the Chamber of Commerce. And I said, I'd like to be part of your journey to make kindness normal. And I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I was driving a little bit later, and I, and I really felt that the Lord was prompting me to give a gift to every single member of the Chamber of Commerce. Just a, a little financial gift to every person. And tell them that little blessings can make a difference in a life. I've continued to pray for opportunities to share Jesus. Amen. Last week at the Chamber of Commerce. Every week. We've had Chamber of Commerce here for the breakfast. It's not, not a religious organization, right? But I've got an opportunity to share with them where I find my hope and that I believe that kindness is rooted in the heart of God. This past week, I prayed, Lord, I don't know exactly what to do, but I'm praying that you would lead me to at least one person that I could pray for and perhaps share the gospel with. 
it's all a prayer. I didn't say anything fancy. In fact, I stumbled over my little 30-second commercial. I went to myself, man, I wish I would have said that it's a little better. But the only thing I had said in it was, I'm willing to be a chaplain to anybody in the community. If there's ways we can come alongside and pray for you, even if you never go to our, our church, we would be glad, I'd be glad to pray for you. Afterwards, four people talked to me. Two I, get to share, I got to share Christ with. What am I saying? Take these cards, write a name on it, pray for people. Amen? <clears throat> and one of the things that I had to say in boldness was the road that you're on to one individual, I'll keep it kind of... Um, Vague, just because I don't want to give away details, right? But I had to say, you know, the road that you're on won't lead you where you want to go. All religions aren't the same. Christ is the answer. So let, let's get to the outline, and then let's take communion together. What is it that I believe God is calling each and every one here to do? What's going to help us move forward? I, I don't know about you, but I'd much rather be David. Remember the story of David and Goliath? He came out, and, and, they're, and they're sitting there for days. These warriors of the people of God had just sat there and let this giant taunt them, right? And when David talks about fighting him, Elab tells him, go back to your sheep and calls him conceited, right? Sometimes we get, we get surrounded by Elabs who tell us, don't, don't, don't be bold, don't be courageous, just sit there and do nothing. The problems are too big. They're too big for you to handle. You can't make much of a difference, just sit down and shut up. That's not very exciting, is it? What I want for us, what I want for me, what I want for Edgewood is that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit for witness and we know it. We have a clarity of what we believe God is calling us to do and we have the courage to step out and do it. It takes courage to confess that sin that you've been hiding. It takes courage to speak to a neighbor the truth. It takes courage to deal with conflict. But we can do it. And there's joy in doing it. Here are the four points of the sermon from this passage. We need to, one, understand the power and sovereignty of God. Amen? When our view of God is small, our courage will be small. It was fun to be in the ocean. There was a little concern about some rip so we had to be cautious but it was fun to be in the ocean and be there with Silas and he had his life jacket on as I sh shared in the children's sermon but he had me watching over him and he was saying I'm not afraid of this wave and I kept telling him you know the, the oceans is, would be not a safe place if daddy wasn't here with you but I am here so what wasn't just a carefree place to play became a place where joy could be had 
because his father was with him. Amen? Do we know God that way? What I would say is we need to turn off our, our distractions and get on our knees and have God reveal to us his power and his might. Amen? Now let me just say, Dustin Shramick, a, a friend of mine, has said the sovereignty of God does not remove the pain, it gives the pain purpose. We're not saying that when you're, when you're a Christian you never have any hard things or any struggles or any tears, but you never have any pain that doesn't have purpose that God won't use. Amen? So two, spend time in prayer. They turn to prayer, not panic. We need, we need to be people of prayer. And prayer does not replace godly action. It empowers it, right? It isn't just you pray that other people will come to know Jesus. You speak to them about Jesus, right? I believe that George Furrow was right George Furrow was right when he said there has to be more to world missions than simply spreading the anemic form of Christianity held in America. Now, I don't rip on all Americans. That's not the point. But if you have this kind of Christianity that says, look, you can become a Christian by just adding Jesus onto your life. You can keep your same old views about human life and abortion, about sexuality, about politics, about money. All you have to do is just add a little Jesus on. You don't have to have anything changed. It, it won't change how you spend your money. It won't spend how you, change how you spend your time much, maybe a, a little, but not much. It won't change this. Listen, that's not what God has called us to do. God wants all of us for His glory, right? Now, cautious here, because I want to make it real clear. You're, you're not called to give all your money, time, and energy for Edgewood Baptist Church. Right? Right? We're not some weird cult that thinks everybody has to do it. You're called to give your life to the kingdom of God, which transcends denomination and people group and nation. Amen? Prayer leads to action. We don't just pray. We pray so that we're emboldened to speak and to act. So we understand the power of this and the sovereignty of God, point one. Two, we spend time in prayer. Three, we proclaim the truth boldly. And let me say, you can't proclaim truth if you don't know truth. You can't proclaim truth unless you know truth. You know, sometimes people ask me, what should the church say about homosexuality? And what I like to say is, what should the church say about sexuality first? We, we, we just have, whole, about gender, about issues. A lot of times people have not really studied what the Bible says about these things. True? Or why we believe the Bible. There's great questions, and we should be a safe place to have those. But we should clarify what we believe, we should cherish what we believe, and we should communicate what we believe. You catch that? Clarify, what do we believe? Cherish it. It's not just to be, I cherish it. 
There was one time that what I'm talking to you about now, about the sovereignty of God, really confused me and even upset me a little bit. How, how could God be in control with some of the things that are happening? I just spent years studying that. There's still some mystery there. But now I rejoice in it. Right? I really believe that if <clears throat> God was small enough that I could totally understand him, he wouldn't be much of a God. Right? Proclaim the truth boldly. We, we, just, we just make a commitment to pray that God would make you bold in the proclamation of the gospel. Would you do that? Maybe you're already doing that, but would you continue to do that and say, Lord, would you pray that God would give you an opportunity to share him with someone else? Amen? There's stories that I would love to tell you uh, of people that I have gotten to share Christ with. Since I began that prayer here, I don't think there's been a week that's passed that I haven't gotten to tell somebody about Jesus and share the gospel. Praise the Lord. So, hey, I don't feel like I'm an evangelist. I'm not asking you to be an evangelist. I'm just asking you to just share what Christ has done in your life. Well, I don't know all the answers. You don't have to know all the answers. Just, just share what Christ has done in your life. And then just use those three great words. I, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I do know this. My life is better because Christ is my Lord. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I, I, I pray that you would come to faith and understand that Jesus died on the cross to set you free from your sins. And we'd love to talk to you more about that. Well, we need to get to communion, uh, or I'd like to get to communion, because it's such a great celebration. Amen? And we've got one more point. We need to understand the power and the sovereignty of God. We need to spend time in prayer. Two. Three, we need to proclaim the truth boldly. And four, we need to live with courage and grit. Right? You might not get a parade thrown for you. You might get thrown in prison. That's what happened to the apostles, but the gospel went for. Grit. I love somebody's definition of grit. Grit is the combination of passion and persistence. A passionate persistence. Amen. Praise the Lord. This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening.